continuing in uh, this novena of reflections and meditations on Eucharistic revival, we come to this second day of the prayers. And today our blessed Lord invites us to belief in him, to belief in the Holy Eucharist. When our blessed Lord was first preparing to enter into his ministry, he was baptized and then led by the Spirit to go out into the desert to be tested, to be tempted. For 40 days, he fasted and prayed out there in the wilderness. And then at the end, understatement of the scriptures, he was hungry. And this is when the devil comes in. The devil comes in at the, at the moment, we all know, whenever, whenever, we, you know, kind of, uh, whenever we feel at our weakest, the devil wants to come in and, and, and to do what he can to pull us away from the will of the Father. And so he does with our blessed Lord. And he knows the power that our Lord has. And he comes to him and he says, you can turn this stone into bread. You can feed yourself. No one will see. I won't tell anybody. He comes and he tempts the evil. He tempts the Lord. The evil one does. And the response of our blessed Lord is, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Man does not live by bread alone. Later on in the gospel, in St. John's gospel in the sixth chapter, we hear our blessed Lord speaking to the people after they'd just seen the marvels of the miraculous multiplication of the loaves, the feeding of the 5,000. And they follow after him. And he speaks to them, and he tells them this word of God that is the true nourishment for the soul, the one by which we truly live. And he says, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you do not have life within you. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Several times he reiterates this again and again so that the hearers that day would be very, very clear that this is no sign. This is not a symbol that he is speaking of. He means it. And if our Lord would tell us, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life in you. If he were not to provide that for us, it would be a matter of grave injustice. For us to tell us the only way for us to have eternal life is to have this thing, and by the way, you can't have it. What would be the point of the incarnation? It would be foolishness, a mockery, cruelty. But this is not what our Lord did. He gave us the Eucharist. At the Last Supper, taking the bread and taking the chalice, consecrating them, offering them, this is my body, this is my blood, allowing the disciples to eat and to drink and so to live. And for us to be able to do the same it is for us to eat and drink and live. But in order to live, we must believe. St. Paul in the Corinthians, in the letter to the Corinthians, he says that we must judge rightly and discern well the body and blood of the Lord. Because if we eat and drink of it unworthily, if we do not discern the body and blood of the Lord, it will, we eat and drink condemnation upon ourselves. If we do not believe and receive, it is condemnation. If we believe and receive well, it is salvation. It is for us to believe in our blessed Lord and the Holy Eucharist. The evil one would seek to sow doubts in our mind, to make us wonder things, how it could possibly be. Surely that can't be right. I mean, even the people of Jesus' own day thought the same. They who were there that day said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? How is this possible? It has to be symbolic. He has to mean something else. Either that or he's out of his mind. 
And many left that day. The evil one would have us question things the same. In our world today, many people look to, uh, to you know, being able to, to prove things. It's a common thing on the internet that, you know, people keeping their receipts, so to say, taking screenshots of the things that have been said in the past so they can come back later and prove what was there. In the same manner, it's the, the world that, that science and so many things wants to prove God, to, to force our hands, so to speak, and to say, if we can't prove it, then it's not real. The new atheism pressing upon this, trying to make us look as if we are worshiping something the same as the flying spaghetti monster out in the space, to make it sound foolish. But the reality is our blessed Lord is no fool. And there are things beyond which science is able to give a sufficient explanation. We call them miracles and mysteries. Science itself cannot sufficiently explain the Holy Eucharist. Theology can, to the extent of of our understanding. The philosophy can, when we speak of the differentiation between substance and accidents, what we see and what a thing is. But it's the reality that so many would reduce things and to say that the Eucharist it doesn't change. It doesn't, nothing happens. It's a sign or a symbol. In fact, that's the reason for this Eucharistic revival in the first place, is that so many Catholics think that what we offer, what we receive, what we consume is bread. It's for that reason they treat it like it. But it is not bread. It is not bread alone. It has the accidents of it. It appears as it. But it is the flesh and blood of Christ. And our blessed Lord, whenever he celebrates the holy mysteries, whenever we come and enter into holy mass, week after week after week, day after day on the holy altar, the Lord God brings himself present to us. He makes himself present in the Holy Eucharist. It is transubstantiated, the bread. This very substance has changed. It is something fundamentally different there. And the vast majority of those times when this takes place, nothing visibly changes. The vast majority of of the times where the Eucharist is confected, that it simply appears exactly the same as before. It doesn't have a special taste. It doesn't have a special flavor. It doesn't doesn't glimmer in a certain way. It looks, for all intents and purposes, exactly the same in most cases. But there are times throughout history where the Lord God has chosen to show that the Eucharist really is his flesh and his blood that it really is something far more than bread alone, that it is him. These Eucharistic miracles have happened at various times throughout the years, and science has no explanation why. They have no real response as to how to make sense of it in some normal, ordinary manner. The church is not afraid of science. The church made science in so many ways at least in our common understanding in so many things. We seek truth, and this is how it comes about. The church does not fear scientific you know, discussion and debate, especially in regards to the Holy Eucharist. In fact, the church wants to put things to the test to ensure that it's not just kind of spiritualizing something. And so whenever these miracles take place, they are subjected to scientific examination to see what exactly is this. And time and time again, it is not bread, it is flesh, it is blood, 
It has a blood type. It's living. It's the flesh of a heart, of a human heart. And yet still looks the same in so many ways the vast majority of the time. It's a great mystery. If you would like to continue to reflect on that, I encourage you to go to the back of the church. And every so often, we're rotating the posters back there of the Eucharistic miracles. These places, these times were individuals because God wanted to increase the faith of his people to help to, to, to show us in some concrete way the reality of the Eucharist. He allowed these miracles to happen, and they still happen. There are still reports from time to time of these things that take place, and we still investigate them in the church and recognize the power of God. He does these things to increase our faith. But it's not always a requirement for us to see it. It is for us to believe. It's a difficulty for us to believe sometimes. It's understandable for us to be sort of to, to have the little doubt come into our mind here and there, to wonder about things, to contemplate the reality of all the things that the church says about the Eucharist, and to go, really? Really? Because it's so otherworldly. It's so beyond us. It does challenge us because it does not make sense. It's not something we can ordinarily explain. It requires of us faith. The faith that but what our eyes fail to see that our soul might be able to recognize. It was the person of St. Thomas, the apostle. He himself was tested in doubt. On the day of Easter, on the day of the resurrection, our blessed Lord appeared to the ten who were gathered in the room, and Thomas was not there, of course. And there, whenever they arrive, whenever Thomas arrives back and our Lord has already left, the other apostles tell him, we've seen the Lord, he's risen, he's appeared to Simon. And what's Thomas's response? Alleluia, thanks be to God, this is fantastic. No. He says, I will not believe until I put my finger into his hands and my hand into his side. I won't believe. He's racked with doubt. He, he, can't, he can't consent just yet. And so a week later, on the octave day of Divine Mercy Sunday, our blessed Lord appears once again, and Thomas is there this time. And the words of our Lord are directed directly to him. Thomas. Put your finger into my hands, and your hands in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas makes a demand of the Lord, and the Lord answers him. And the response of Thomas is one that is frequently found upon the lips of the faithful in the celebration of Holy Mass, as the host is elevated and the chalice is elevated. My Lord and my God. That itself is a phenomenal act of faith because it's not just my Lord. It's not just, this is you, Lord, but it's my Lord and my God. The one to whom I must give right honor and worship. This is the response of Thomas. A belief that far exceeded even just what he would have seen otherwise. A deep faith. And this is what the Lord invites us to have as well. If we wrestle with a belief in the Eucharist, if you are unbelieving in him, if there is that nagging doubt in the mind that we sometimes wonder, really, really, 
for us to turn to our blessed Lord and to ask for his help. To ask him to increase our faith and to trust that it will happen. Sometimes then the Lord may convict us and he may, he may use the, the, the things of this world, uh, be they books or podcasts or videos or talks or any other number of things, to convince us of the intellectual reality of the Eucharist. Things like the, the posters in the back can help to, to give us things where, where it does strengthen our faith, where it does take away the fact that science can't explain these things, where it challenges us a bit to believe that there is something more than we're able to see. It's an invitation for us to have faith. But more, it's for us simply to present our hearts to the Lord and to allow him to increase that faith within us. Again, simply to speak to the Lord and ask him and to let him do the work. Again, it may not be a, a, a brilliant moment where we see some radical change within our hearts. It may be something much more subtle, like the seeds planted in the soil that little by little begin to peek up their heads and to grow and to bear forth fruits. And at some point down the line, we wonder, huh, when did that get there so, so large and so fruitful? And all the time it was the Lord. And so it is for us to turn to our Lord and, and to beg him today to continue to increase our faith. None of us is exempt from temptations to doubt. None of us is exempt from the evil one's attempts to pull us away from the Lord. None of us. I say this, saying this specifically for myself. For me, it is still a demand of faith for the Holy Eucharist in one particular person's hands, my own. Because I can go to Mass with any of my brother priests and look and to see whenever they confect the Eucharist, then it makes perfect sense to me. He's a priest, he's a good holy priest, and I see it. I believe, my Lord and my God. But when I hold the Eucharist in my own hands and say the words of consecration, it still doesn't make sense to me. 6,000-something times later after celebrating Mass, it still doesn't make sense to me. It's faith. It demands the faith for me to believe that, Lord, you can do this even through me. It's for us all to believe these things. These ordinary elements, bread and wine, so abundantly possible for us to receive. They are everywhere. And yet the Lord uses these simple things in an ordinary man otherwise to be able to make something otherworldly, to make himself present before us in flesh and blood. And so we pray the grace of the Lord again to strengthen us in our faith today, that we might be able to proclaim with bold faith, with a deep conviction as we behold the host, as we behold the chalice, together with Thomas, my Lord and my God. We pray now the second day of the Novena prayer for revival. Our Lord says to us, taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you see me as bread alone? I assure you that in this bread is the full meaning of the word of God. For I am this word, and what you eat is not bread alone. You consume the scroll upon which I write my love to you. I am the word of God, and I am the bread that comes down from heaven. Come to my Eucharistic heart this day with all of your, bring to my Eucharistic heart this day all of your doubts and fears. 
I cannot deceive nor be deceived. Imitate me. Do not deceive yourself or others, and don't allow anyone to deceive you. Evil seeks to strangle you with the two crippling hands of fear and doubt. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, if you but believe in me. Pray for the great graces of faith and hope. Watch and listen as I confirm my real presence in your heart. This heavenly manna is life and will give you life more abundantly. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.